0: Is part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.cornerstone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Good morning. There's more here than I thought there was. You must have snuck in. <laughs> Welcome. If this, is your, if this is your first time here, so we're glad that you are here this morning. I mean, if you get a chance, there is a portion of your of your bulletin that you could fill out. We would surely like to have some information about you, not that we're going to come and bug you to death, but just glad to know that you're here and who you are and that we might be able to pray for you. If you have prayer concerns, you'd like to write on there. Just just please just jot that down and drop it back in the box there in the back, and, and uh, we'd be glad to hear from you in that way. Thank you so much. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, about every week, we tried to put a little blurb in the uh, bulletin. And I put a blurb in there. It kind of set me in motion for where I hope to take you to today. And that blurb is, is in your bulletin. I put it in again. Figured you didn't get it the first time, and get it to you the second time. Okay. And anyway, just wanted to read that to you very quickly something that I have found to be personal in my life. And I said here, I said, I have personally found God desires to work within the believer's interests and passions. The key I found in submitting to, is, is submitting to God and divulging our passions to him. You won't be prepared for what will happen next, okay? Expect God to prepare you for the mission of your life. Our biggest mistake is waiting by preparing ourselves first. God will do this alongside you, once you commit to his will and your passion. I don't know whether you believe that or not, but I've come to find that to be true in my life. That being said, I want to read you a little short story that I have. And I'm going to give credit to. First of all, my computer ain't up, so I'm going to keep up with nothing. Anybody have that trouble? There should be another slide called Ordinary Embraces His Big Dream. Is that there, Jeremy? Ordinary Embraces His Big Dream. There you go. (laughs) A little book that I studied some years ago, and I want to read this little story to you. Bruce Wilkerson wrote this book, and I've studied a good bit of his writings and teachings and, and gleaned a lot from that. And the book is entitled Dream Giver. And I want to read just one little story to you. It'll take you just a little bit of time, but I think you'll find it somewhat catching to the ear, a little bit unusual. And it's entitled Ordinary Leaves His Comfort Zone. It says here, The next morning, Ordinary woke up at the usual time, Ordinary being a person, but instead of reporting to his usual job, he packed his suitcase with his usual stuff. Sounds like a salesman, doesn't it? Then he added his journal with a bottle of permanent ink. Whoops. I don't want Believe it or not, I'm stumping ahead. Stumping ahead. Back up. Erase all you heard. <laughs> Delete. Delete button, okay? My mistake. I'm not practiced well enough at this profession. It's not my profession. <laughs> not long ago, and not far away, a nobody named Ordinary, still the same guys, okay, lived in a land of familiar. Sound like your, your place? Every day was pretty much the same for Ordinary in the mornings. He got up, went to his usual job after work. He ate the same dinner he'd eaten the evening before. Then he sat in his recliner and washed the box that mesmerized most nobodies on most nights. Sometimes best friend came over to join Ordinary in front of the box. Sometimes Ordinary went to his parents and they watched together. For the most part, not much happened in familiar that, happened that had happened before. Ordinary thought he was content. He found the routines reliable. He blended in with the crowd. And mostly he wanted only what he had had. Only the day... Until the day ordinary noticed a small nagging, not his wife, a nagging feeling that sometimes big was missing from his life. Or maybe the feeling was that he was missing from something big. He wasn't sure. The little feeling grew, and even though nobody's and familiar didn't generally accept the unexpected, ordinary began to wish for it. "'Time passed, Then one morning Ordinary woke up. "'With these words echoing in his mind, "'What you're missing you already have. "'Could it be?' Ordinary looked and looked. And "'Then he discovered that in a small corner of his heart lay a big dream. "'The big dream told him that he, a nobody, was made to be a somebody "'and destined to achieve great things. "'Jumping out of the bed, Ordinary discovered something else, "'a long white feather resting on the sill of his window.' Where did it come from? What did it mean? With a jolt of excitement, Ordinary decided he'd been visited by the dream giver. Now, Ordinary had heard rumors of various nobodies, infamiliar, waking up to a big dream. But he had never imagined that it could happen to him. He rushed to get dressed, his big dream beating brightly in his chest. He couldn't wait to get to his usual job and tell best friend the news. But on his way to work, Ordinary realized he had a problem. His big dream was too big for a nobody like Ordinary. He would be embarrassed to tell anyone. Even Best Friend would probably laugh. Still, Ordinary was too excited to keep his dream to himself. As soon as he saw Best Friend, he blurted out the news. The dream giver has given me a big dream. I was made to be somebody and destined to achieve great things. Best Friend looked surprised, but he didn't laugh. That's very big, he said. But if I were you, I wouldn't talk about this dream of yours too much. Nobody's around here might take you a fool. Ordinary didn't want to look like a fool, so after that he kept his big dream to himself. Day after day, Ordinary showed up at a usual job. but so while he worked, he thought about his dream. He thought about how wonderful it would be to do what he Love to do instead of just dreaming about it. Ordinary longing for his big dream grew and grew until finally he realized that he'd never be happy unless he could pursue it. Why didn't the dream maker make it possible? If the dream giver didn't, how could ordinary ever leave familiar? He had payments and expenses. He had regular duties. A lot of nobody's counted on him for a lot of things. Ordinary felt completely stuck. Time passed, but nothing changed. He began to hate his usual job. This isn't what I was made to be, he said to himself. I just know it. After a while, he began to worry about, and maybe hadn't received a big dream after all. Maybe he just made it all up, and he grew sadder by the day. One evening after work, Ordinary went to his parents to watch the box, but their box was broken. So the house was very quiet. It was even more quiet because his mother was out shopping at familiar foods. Oddly enough. In the quietness, Ordinary started to think about his dream again. He looked over at his father, sitting in his recliner, staring at the single page of nobody news. Maybe he could help. Father, said Ordinary, I'm growing sadder by the day. I don't like my usual job anymore. In fact, I think I hate it. father looked up. That's terrible, he said. What happened? Before he could stop himself, ordinary started talking about the dream giver and about his big dream. I was made to be somebody and achieve great things, he said. And then he told his father the name of the dream. As he spoke, his voice trembled. He was sure that his father would laugh or call him a fool. But his father didn't. "'I'm not surprised to hear you say these things,' he said. "'You're not,' said Ordinary. "'No,' his father said. "'You've had that dream ever since you were little, don't you remember? "'You used to build that same dream with sticks and mud in front of of this very house.'" Then Ordinary did remember. He'd always had his dream. It was what he'd always wanted to do and what he'd always thought he'd be doing. "'His eyes filled with tears. "'Father,' he said.' I think I was born to do this. Ordinary and his father sat together quietly. His father seemed to be remembering everything, too. After a while, he asked, when you woke up to your big dream, son, did you happen to find a feather? Ordinary was shocked. How did you know, he said. A long time ago, I woke up to a dream, too, his father said, and it came with a long white feather. It was a wonderful dream. I kept the feather on my windowsill while I Waited for a chance to pursue it. I waited and waited, but it never seemed possible. One day I noticed a feather that turned to dust. Of all the sad words ordinary had ever heard, these were the saddest. Before he left that night, his father begged him, Don't make the same mistake I did, son, he said. You don't have to stay at nobody, you can be a dreamer. Probably shouldn't be close to the end. That night before he left Familiar. That night before he left Familiar, ordinary decided to see the long white feather to help him remember the truth. He pulled out a notebook, Roman Dream Journal, on the cover. Then he dipped the quill of the permanent ink and wrote on his first page. The dream giver gave me a big dream before I was ever born. I just finally woke up to it. My dream is what I do best, Uh, and I love to do. How could I have missed it for so long? I had to sacrifice and make big changes to pursue my dream, but it will be worth it. It makes me sad to think that so many nobodies are missing something so big. Ordinary embrace is a big dream. Oh golly, I thought I should have muted that. Sorry, guys. Let's set that off there here. Did you find yourself somewhere in that story? Maybe at one point in your life? Think about it. Think about it. Called. Called. That's the name of this message. Morning, I wanted to bring to you. Let me share this verse with you. First Corinthians twelve twenty-seven through thirty-one. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets, Are all teachers, do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. First Corinthians 12, 27, 31. Now this comes on a, the heels of Paul talking about the body, the different parts of the body, how we all become part of the body. Uh, I wanted to bring this to you to because I had a my own personal experience with this, I think. Would. Anybody recognize that gal? Probably some of the older folks might. Probably some of the younger ones do no, That's Lily Tomlin. If you don't know it, she uh, started laughing. And this is one of her characters she played, and uh, she could get you get your giggles going. But well, I got to think about how God calls people. Something like this might come to mind: a switchboard. Okay, God trying to get to you through a the switchboard. There's another picture. As my idea of calling it kept getting bigger, the switchboard got bigger. And bigger and bigger. And now you might think of it today as the next picture. There, circuitry. (laughs) Lots of circuitry, right? Lots of circuitry. God is trying to get in contact with you. Believe me. He was trying to get in contact with me as well. And I want to go on to keep on moving here. Talk about the calls, a few of them. Now, this is not an extensive list of calling, there's a whole bunch. To be looked at, calling through God's words is He does it so many different ways, through so many different people. You do great character studies all the way from, you can look at uh, Adam and Eve, what happened to them when they got lost in the garden after they sinned. What did God have to do? He had to call them out, didn't He? Where are you? Where are you, Adam? Where are you, Adam? And then you go on to think about Abraham. And Abraham, he had to respond as well. He was to be a father of great nations, and he responded to that, and he continues on. The first call you got to think about, though, is the calling God has on your life, on each life. God is here to divulge himself to you and me through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the first call. First call, salvation. Yet to all who did and received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. First call. Second call. Obedience. What do you do to be obedient? What's the first obedient thing you're supposed to do as a Christian? What's the first thing that comes to mind? We're a small enough group here you can talk. Follow God. Follow God? Okay. There's, 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 there is one command initially starts it. Baptism. Did I hear that? Baptism, that's what's on my mind. How are you going to do the next thing if you're not going to be obedient in the first thing? Hmm. Think about that. And that was from Christ himself. He replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What are you going to need to be in ministry? The gift of The Holy Spirit. Thank you. You're there. Gift of the Holy Spirit. Obedience. Third call. To get the third call, we got the Holy Spirit. I've got the power. I've got God behind me. I can do all things. Acts 6 3 3. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of spirit and wisdom. He will turn this responsibility over to them and he will give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. Apostles had need of other people engaging in ministry, so they got to choosing and calling out each other for the needs of the ministry. Let's go on to the next slide if you would. What is the call? Catch up with you here. What is the call? First of all, a call is a re- call to relationship. Who are we called into relationship with? Christ Himself. Yes, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in his sufferings, become like Him even into death, even into His death. The call is redemptive. Second Corinthians three eighteen, and we will all who with unveiled faces contemplate. The Lord's glory are being transformed in His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I call the mission. Now, this is something everybody, I think, if you're a Southern Baptist, you know this. Okay? Absolutely, you know this. It's called the Great Commission, Matthew 28. All in authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, Jackie, and make What? Jackie's favorite word out there. Of all what? Doing what? In the what? And doing what? To do what? Because? I commanded you. And surely, he's with us. Do you see a reason why we can't do this? Do you believe? <laughs> do you believe? God initiates the call. John 15, 16. Do not choose me, but I choose you, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will what? Last, and so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. I see empowerment here. God is initiating the call. He's starting the process in you. And back to the call of obedience, John 12, 24 to 26. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves you. Now, I'm going to get personal here. This this is going to be about me, okay? I'm going to get... I'm going to become vulnerable and let you know a little about me. A lot of you probably don't know a whole lot about me, but uh, raised a farm boy on a, on a farm, middle of nowhere, I thought was middle of everywhere. Okay? Anybody ever been there? <laughs> middle of nowhere, middle of everywhere, and I finally decided I didn't know where I was at. So, anyway, raised Southern Baptist, true and blue. Father was a deacon, grandfather was a deacon, great grandfather was a deacon. That's the standard reason I'd become a deacon, wouldn't it? It happened. It happened. But with all this background I had, all this dominating parenthood I had, farming background I had, I felt very intimidated, very backwards. I was bullied in school as a little kid, and I could not make words come out of my mouth. Still have trouble with it. Needless to say, after becoming a deacon in the church, you know, we obviously were serving, doing things deacon's kids did. Deacon's parents did. Deacon's grandparents did. You know, we'd make the meals. We'd help out with the meals. We'd sing. We'd have revivals. We'd do all these things. it come time to serve in the church? Numerous times asked to teach. I can't do that. Mm Mm-mm. Can't do that. The main reason I couldn't do it because I didn't think I lived up to ex- expectations my father had. My father was a good orator, I was a poor orator. So I felt very squelched in my spiritual life about that. So continuously the call came Could you teach the young boys class? Mm, no, I can't do that. I keep putting it off. The call was there. Could you teach RAs? Could you lead RAs? No. I Can't do that. I'll, I'll go with the kids to, on the outings. I'll do that. Okay. Finally, that's enough prying, And I'm talking about years. I'm not talking about one year, two years, three years. This is over a period of 10 or 15 years. This, one, this goes on in my life. I allow myself to quench the Spirit of God Want to wanted to do something and prepare me for something to do in his ministry, excuse me. So that process, it finally comes down to, I finally said yes. If you get beat up enough, sometimes you'll say yes, right? Well, I did. I finally said yes. Couldn't do it. <coughs> Absolutely couldn't do it. Bruce's pride, Bruce's ego, Bruce's defeat, all put it to the point that I could not do it so I did not function that I didn't get it done. It didn't happen couldn't teach. so long story short, I end up in in Texas, a little bit like Jonah. There knows no story of Jonah running from God it's call. Jonah was called to do what? he supposed to go to Nineveh warned them that God is about to destroy them unless they repent and return to him Jonah didn't want to do this so he ran I think he was asked again and he still ran ends up in the belly of a whale how, I, how that happens how you explain that I don't know I believe it nonetheless he goes to Nineveh he preaches a good word what happened to Nineveh saved everybody, Save everybody. Just an interesting thought, kind of a side rabbit tale here. Who was God chasing? <laughs> Who was God chasing? I just, just, just struck off the top of my head. Was he, was he chasing Jonah? No. I think you, Doug, I think you're right on. I've often looked at that story that very way. That, you know, he was after Jonah. We've all looked at Jonah and said, yeah, Jonah should be doing this. But Nineveh was saved because... Jonah was eventually obedient and answered the call. Well, anyway, I, anyway like a back to that story about my personal story, the Texas thing. We were living in North Missouri. Where we grew up all of our lives. Uh, third generation farmers up there. Texas was a long ways away. Things weren't working in Missouri. Business was failing. Livelihood, we had no way to make a livelihood. Not within 100 miles of anything like we knew, trained to do. So we basically had two options, and one of them was to go to Texas, take a job, pursue a career. That was the option we selected to took. Now, believe it or not, that was leaving the land of familiar, wasn't it? (laughs) Remember the little story you just heard about? We left the land of familiar. I left the head of the family seven months, and the family followed up with me later. Bought a home. Got involved in a church just as quick as I could, the closest church I could find, and it was a little bitty Baptist church there in Bowling, Texas. Everybody know where Bowling, Texas is? Say no. <laughs> huh? Really? Really? What county? Wharton? Wharton? Oh, okay. Anyways, so Wharton County, just below Houston, southeast, about an hour. Is that the same place you remember? Just okay. Colorado River runs down through it. And it'll flood, and you hear about the floods in Warren County once in a while. Just recently, it flooded there again. So well, anyway, we l- we end up in Bowling, Texas. Again, I thought we was in the middle of nowhere again. <laughs> it certainly seemed like the middle of nowhere. And uh, get involved in this little old church, pastor, and I, pastor there, and uh, he yeah. uh, immediately recognized who I was when I came. Not personally, but got to know me that close. That's having a relationship, getting to know who you are. Pastor Skip, Pastor Skip wasn't even a great orator. He was—he's probably one of the poorest orators, preachers I ever heard. But he probably was one of the greatest, loving pastors I'd ever met. Just love on you. You had a need or something like that. He just—he could, he could love on you. He knew how to do that. that. Was his gift loving on his people. Immediately he wanted me to be a deacon there. So, I've kind of failed at this thing, you know. But it's Lord, if you're willing. I, I, guess, I guess I'll do this. Say, How could I go wrong with this little, little church here? So anyway, got to looking around. Got involved in the church. The family finally follows up. We're all together finally. It's Micah, Sneed, and me. Zachary, we left him in Missouri. He just graduated high school. And he was going to stay up there. So anyway, we're sitting there in Boeing, Texas, and uh, get to knowing the people in this little Baptist church. No Sunday school in Mount Dean lucky to get together on Sunday morning. Why did I pick this church? I don't know. I don't know why I picked this church. I kept looking to people They were starved for the word, starved for the truth. God said, you you can teach them. I said, I can't teach them, God. I can't teach them. I can't speak. I get tongue-tied. Okay, I think I'll do it. These, these people here, they, they just, they look like they'd use anybody. Even me. And that was right. So we start on this path of Sunday school. And some people come. Oh, they're going to listen to me. And a few more people come. A few more people come. Next thing we knew, we had a Sunday school class. We actually had a class. People were actually starting to learn. So anyway, anyway, we answered the calling. The desire to teach probably came from my father, the great orator in my life. He could describe to you the righteousness of Christ in great detail. and What a message that was to me as a young person and hearing the righteousness of Christ described to me. So the pattern was put there, even though he was so domineering, but he was so good at it. I could never be that good. So, get to working at this thing. Next thing you know, uh, God called me to give me a choice. He didn't really call me to go to Georgia, go to Georgia. And you think God gives you clear answers and all this? He don't necessarily give you clear answers, but He sometimes gives you choices. My choice was stay in Texas or go to Georgia, uh, pursue your career a little further. Uh, get a little more economic benefit, match your skills and what have you. I prayed hard. I prayed long. God, how am I? what am I supposed to do? And the answer came to me that uh, if I would serve God there in Georgia, as I served God in Texas, it would be just fine. So we packed up and we moved to Georgia. Again, the calling came in a little old church called Romans Road. We searched churches around the community, couldn't find the one that really fit till we came here, and it kind of fit. Again, a local body, starting for the word, starting for the truth. They could use anybody, right? Anybody, somebody. They might even take a nobody, okay, to fulfill a dream of a of a believer that would uh, teach God's word and try to do it as well as at least his father. So we, we pack up the thing. We're in Georgia. We're at Romans Road, now known as Cornerstone. We meet the calling. And I now feel there's a story in, in Philemon. And if you'll remember some time ago, uh, come back. on am a little about last, uh, last one right there. There's a story of Philemon, and there's there's three main characters in Philemon. There's Paul, there's Philemon, one is Onesimus, and Onesimus is a runaway slave. And lo and behold, he gets to be in the company of Paul. And in the company of Paul, he is mentor, disciple, Jackie. And Paul calls back to Philemon with a letter. Onesimus back home. Please receive Onesimus. I believe Onesimus can now be useful to you. Onesimus can be useful to you. Oddly enough, Onesimus means useful. Useful. Runaway slave, useless, returning home. Change of math that through the mentorship and discipleship of Paul, he's now useful. I feel through the calling of Christ, accepting his call and teaching, that I now am useful. I'm now useful. I never feel, felt called to preach, but maybe that's the next call. <laughs> maybe that's the next call. Let's go to the next slide, please. Conclusion. I'd like to make great, a great grand appeal here. Make everything come together. They probably don't come together like I think, but from the bottom of my heart, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ first of like, all? Do you have that first calling? Do you understand you've got to have that first? God loves you. Nobody will love you like God loves you. His son Jesus Christ proves that. Are you a nobody? Do you feel like you're a nobody? You could be a somebody in Jesus Christ and feel loved. Got to know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Be a somebody in his kingdom. Not only that, you're probably going to be a nobody here forever, but you can be a somebody for eternity through His Son, Jesus Christ. Has your obedience held you back? What does God have in store for you? What is his mission for you? Well, we listed a few. Now, apostles already taken. That's gone. Those are the people live with Jesus Christ here. The prophets. That, that's something new from Jesus Christ. Now, that's completely Pretty much covered now. God's word is pretty much complete, all the way to Revelations. What's it bring you to next? Remember that scripture we had back here. Teaching. Teaching. And I like to, in a more interject, discipleship. Or disciple. I think they all are the same. In some sense or term, you can relate them. Jackie's helped me see that a good bit. Thank you. Has God borne you a passion? Somewhere you have a dream. Somewhere God has put something in your heart. Somewhere you are to serve. That's from God's holy word. That's our place. That's our place. And he's given you all authority and all power. Said he'll never leave you. Given you his spirit to do it. Have you accepted that calling, born in you through his spirit? That's the other question I want to ask you this morning. Have you accepted that calling of that spirit? Have you accepted it? that calling. Maybe a new calling. Maybe in the middle of one there's another one. Could be. I'm looking. I'm looking. Interesting thing I want to interject right here is I was listening to uh, Dr. David Jeremiah this morning. He said, uh, you can liken service to a contract with, with God. Now, I don't know whether you would, fit, you would sign on this contract or not. The contract might look something like this. Just try to imagine this in your head, if you would. I like this analogy. It's the reason I'm sharing it with you this morning. The contract would be from God, obviously, to you. All the conditions in the middle is going to be left blank. Because God's going to fill them out for you. You don't know what they are. Will you sign on? Will you sign on to that contract? Let God fill in the blanks. Let God prepare you. Let God make you who you are to be. Would you sign on that dotted line? Go with me if you would in prayer, if you would, please. Father, this morning, uh, we just, uh, I thank you for this time to share. Oh, Father, I, I pray that there wasn't too much of me here that it was your spirit. Father, I just thank you so much that uh, you have something special for the believer. You have something special for the unbeliever. Jesus Christ is that special person, to the unbeliever. Lord's service and ministry is that for us, and to share that message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I just thank you so much for all those things. And the phone should ring any minute. Phone should ring any minute. There it is. I think I'll answer. It's for you.